Welcome to this week's episode of Apple at Work, a podcast about all things Apple and the intersection of business, education, healthcare, and everything in between. My name is Bradley Chambers, your host as always. My guest this week is Bob Garsh, first time guest on the show, and he runs BFA Technologies out of Atlanta. Bob, welcome to Apple at Work. Good morning. Thanks, Bradley. Great to be here. So um, BFA is, is really a, one of the top tier Apple um, partners in Atlanta. And I know you, you all do a lot of work with a lot of businesses on helping them you know, best manage their, their Apple devices. Can you give us a background? Like, you know, how did BFA Technologies get started and, and then how, how did you end up where you're at now? Well, great. Thanks for asking. So I am a longtime Apple person. I actually went to work directly for Apple in February of 1989 as an enterprise rep. Don't do the math. (laughs) And I worked in corporate for around 20 years, and we have just marked our 20th year of BFA. So uh, candidly, I enjoyed corporate, but um, after 20 years, I was ready for a new venture, and uh, I reached out and to some friends and kind of said, who am I? I'm an Apple guy. So I started my original company was called Bob for Apples, which was a lot of fun. And then after uh, seven years, Apple kindly asked me to change the name because I had a derivation of the word Apple, which is fine. And I just borrowed the acronym. So that's where BFA comes from. So it was really um, a passion for Apple that I've always had. um, And also, you know, just that next phase of my life of doing uh, direct consulting work for clients uh, with my own company after being in corporate for 20 years. One of the themes that we've talked about on a number of episodes at Apple at Work is just Apple's acceptance in the enterprise. Um, I mean, you go back you know, 20 years ago, uh, if you were the, you know, if you found Max in an enterprise, they were generally only in like the graphics team and you know, IT wasn't involved. It, you know, it was kind of like they were, you know, that the graphics team might have to be their own IT department. I mean, not IT might help them get the printers installed, but like you generally, you know, it was kind of hands off. The IT's focus was on, on windows and managing those devices. So it's really, um, you've seen this really, you know, 180 degree turn of how Apple is perceived among, uh, enterprise IT departments, but then also how well the devices integrate into the existing, management and uh, security ecosystem. Um, what kind of customers, so, so BFA Technologies, what kind of customers do you all serve and what kind of services do you provide for them? So that's a great question. Um, the, the, the services part is easy. Um, we have two types of contracts. One is fully outsourced uh, managed services, which translates uh, into the fact that we are um, the complete IT provider for our clients. Um, MSP would be managed services provider is the uh, industry acronym. The other type is managed mobility services or MMS. And what that means is we serve as the outsourced mobile device management administrator. Um, so those are our two kinds of contracts. Other than that, we do project work and our project work is largely, um, in and around uh, managed uh, services of, of MDM and specifically Jamf, so we have two types of contracts, and and we do project work or blocks of hours as a form of uh, project work. So that's the services. <clears throat> in terms of verticals, very quickly, we don't really 
focus on a specific customer vertical um, like law or healthcare, um, et cetera, we, we actually sort of horizontally span all of them. I'm a big believer in the 80-20 rule. And in that belief, 80% of what we do for all of those clients is the same. And we just candidly learn the other 20% that might be specific to that vertical. It served us well thus far. I know a lot of people do uh, sort of focus on individual client verticals, but we're very horizontal in that respect. Well, I mean, I think you, you kind of really make a great point where, you know, verticals obviously maybe have different needs. The use cases may be different, but the vast majority of what they're trying to do with Apple technologies is the same or, and trying to integrate them, trying to best manage them and to make sure that they're, you're really running it. Um, full speed and full productivity. Um, but, but I think one of the you know, things that I hear from uh, IT professionals a lot is it's, you know, you're really trying to do more with a lot less. Um, in terms of staffing, it's hard to hire people. People can be expensive. People are great, but people can be expensive. And a cost you can control is when you um, partner with a, you know, managed service provider to, to help with, you know, managing mobile devices. Now, again, when we say mobile devices, it, you know, that's really more become a, an acronym for all things devices because it could be IMAX, it could be Mac Studios, but it's just more, you know, these, you know, making sure that your Apple devices can be managed well um, and, and through your device management system. Um, you, you mentioned you're a Jamf partner. Do you mainly work with Jamf Pro or do you deploy and help people with, you know, say Jamf School or Jamf Now as well? Great question. So we're primarily almost entirely Jamf Pro. Um, the premise of Jamf now is sort of, um, if there were a marketing line for it from a Jamf perspective, in, in my view, it would be it's so easy you can do it yourself. So just sort of by definition, um, that precludes us from working with clients on Jamf now. Although, um, you know, many years ago, we did help some small businesses uh, get going with Jamf now. Jamf School, um, candidly, we haven't worked much with. That's something that Jamf's asking us to dive into a little bit more, and uh, we're looking to do that soon. This episode of Apple at Work is sponsored by Mosul. Deploying, managing, and protecting Apple devices at work shouldn't be difficult or require several solutions. Mosul is the only Apple unified platform for business. By combining enhanced device management, endpoint security, internet privacy and security, single sign-on, enhanced app management into a single Apple-only platform, businesses can now easily and automatically deploy, manage, and protect their Apple devices automatically with one solution at an affordable price. With a solution for businesses of every size and the best support in the market, start a free 30-day trial today and see firsthand why Mosul is more than an Apple NDM. Mosul is everything you need to work with Apple. To learn more, visit business.mosul.com. Again, that's business.mosul.com, M-O-S-Y-L-E.com. Thanks to Mosul for sponsoring Apple at Work this week. Well, and again, I mean, we go back to that, that theme of controlling cost. And, you, you know, if you're an IT professional, um, you're a you know, CTO of, of an organization, um, you're looking to accomplish a goal. And you're looking to get devices managed. You're looking to keep users up and running. You're looking to keep devices secure, patched, uh, and compliance. And um, and if you don't have that skill set internally, um, you got to hire it. But the, the problem is that so if you hire somebody that is going to be your you know 
Jamf person or, you know, whatever, you know, Mosul or Adagy or Kanji, you know, whatever device management system you're going to use. And you're like, okay, okay we're going to get this person trained. You're still relying on that one person. Uh, and so if they leave for another job, you're, you're kind of back to square one. And I think that's really the role where uh, a mobility service provider comes in is, is, is you can say, they can say like, look, um, we need help with this. We need help managing it. Um, we're just going to pay you all to do that. And I think there, there's a turnkey approach there that really works for a lot of organizations, big and small. Um, you know, does there, is there a certain size customer that you serve? Is it mainly the, the under 50 people? Is it above the 500 people or is it everything in between? Another great question. So, I mean, early on in, in BFA and Bob for Apples, um, you know, we worked with um, small companies to build. At this point, um, we pretty much start in and around the 30-person company on the low end. And our high right now for managed services provider is around 150. But um, our last two or three clients have been in and around 100 max per, uh, per company, if that, if that helps give you a little metric there. Yeah, I mean, so you know, so certainly that um, that size organization. You know, one of the things I've said is like with say Apple Businesses Centrals is like the the competitor to that is Unmanaged Max, and um, you know these these companies that maybe have fifty to hundred Max, like they they need to be managed, they need to be inventory, they need to be in compliance, they need to to have all the things on them that an enterprise needs. But again, if you if you just don't have that expertise internally, or you can't afford to hire somebody, uh, if not multiple people, it really, you know, that the idea of just saying partnering with somebody that can handle that kind of takes, takes a load off, takes a stress off. Um, you know, something we we're coming up on, you know, the vice management season, um, you know, obviously it's one thing to know how to click the button to roll out Mac OS Ventura, but it's a whole other thing to, to know what the, what are the ramifications of doing that and how should you stage that? How should you deploy that? And what's the strategy around the training? And I think that's probably where a, you know, management ability service provider comes in. Absolutely. So we actually have a little brochure that we put together that, um, you know, one of the things you do when you, um, you know, offer client uh, information about how you can uh, assist them and partner them is to tell about your people, which is BFA's strongest asset, by the way. They're, my guys are just incredible. You know, years in business, experience, number of folks, et cetera, accreditations, training. But the other part of that brochure lists reasons that clients want to outsource uh, their Jam Pro administration. And some of those include, um, you know, if you actually look at the costs, outsourcing traditionally is viewed as more uh, or is less affordable than hiring internally. But that's not always the case. Matter of fact, I would argue that it's more often not the case. Um, because what happens when you lose people is there is a tremendous amount of time to go search for the right resource. And then there's time to train them. And then there's no guarantee that they're going to stay. So some of the reasons are, you know, business continuity, um, the cost, expertise and ex experience. We've got five JAMP certified uh, senior consultants. And so if you put one person internally versus five with shared knowledge and shared resources, um, you know, that's, it's kind of a crazy comparison. And then also, uh, we are required by Jamf to stay up to date absolutely on every technology and every product. And we just had four people return from Jamf Nation user conference, for example. So it's, uh, it's expensive to keep someone trained internally. And it's also by definition, time away from the office and time away from the job to take the courses, to travel to, uh, the conference, et cetera. Make sense? 
Yeah, no, it does. And you, you can you think about if you're a you know organization that that has to provide twenty four seven support, maybe for um, you've got people around the world working. Again, you know, it's not just about hiring one person. You think, okay, how do I build a solution here? And again, some organizations it might make sense to hire people, but it might make sense to hire one person and still work with an MSP. So you kind of have one person to be that liaison, but then that, that's coordinating, that's kind of working alongside where the managed service provider and managed mobility mobility provider can come in and kind of just partner and help guide the guide the organization along. I mean, we're said to somebody the other day. I mean. 100% of the work majority of the people do that use technology is on the technology. I mean, I can't, I can't remember the last time I used a pen and paper to do anything with my job. And so, <laughs> yes. you know, it's, it's technology is the way a lot of people work. And so it, you know, it, you need the right infrastructure in place. Um, it, it's sort of like if you have a big corporate headquarters, you're going to have to have somebody to help manage the heating and air and the plumbing and the electrical. And it's, you know, the, the technology is no different. Um, outside of, you know, helping companies manage their devices with Jamf, are there other servers, you know, other services you help organizations with, whether it's, you know, networking, things like that? Oh, I would, uh, Southern phrase here, kitchen sink. So it doesn't matter what it is. Uh, when we serve as the managed services provider, um, uh, I tell people in short, here's what we don't do. And the don't do's, uh, we, we don't write applications or apps. We're not an application development company, although we do have a, a partner who's outstanding at FileMaker, which covers a lot of solutions at, at, at about one-tenth of the cost of traditional uh, application development. And um, the other area, and this is kind of because I tried this in the past, I tell people we are not a point-of-sale company. We partnered with an outstanding point-of-sale company before um, and so that's that's one uh, we do not do, but just a little asterisk there. I mean, clients who use point of sale, they learn their own POS system. So we can set it up and help them get it going, but um, we, we don't specialize in that. That's kind of our don't do. Everything else we do, um, if that makes sense. No, it makes sense. I mean, again, even the things you don't do, it's, it's pointing, you know, pointing folks in the right direction and, and really becoming that really becoming that partner uh, that can just guide them along. I mean, you look, you know, obviously, I think, you know, I've seen on your website, you all, you know, there's a lot of logos scrolling across there that the things you work on. And, um, and it just makes sense to, to look, you know, meet with the client and, and, you know, help them what they need. Um, wanted to chat about um, Schools and education. Do you all do any work with uh, like K twelve schools, helping them? Obviously, you know a lot, a lot of devices in these schools now. Do you all do any work with schools, and and what are some of the challenges you're seeing them face? So, great question. Early on, uh, as Bob for Apple's, we actually were a member of Apple's um, professional services organization as a partner, and we did quite a bit of uh, of work with uh, K twelve schools in the state of Georgia. Um, that sort of fell off the map of about four or five years. Um, and we do work with schools occasionally. It hasn't been um, a focus point for us, but it's kind of funny you ask. I have been uh, <clears throat> dealing with wonderful paperwork for the last week to work with a, a large county school system here in, in Georgia, the third largest in the state. And as just one example, they are looking for assistance with Jamf Pro. So they are initially purchasing 80 hours and we're going to go in there and do a health check and we will um, make recommendations um, follow up with remediation of those and for the foreseeable future help uh, guide them as they're they're having some staffing issues with their uh, jam pro administrators 
again, I mean, I think that's the theme of all this is there's not a, there's, you know, I've heard this certainly with cybersecurity professionals, like there's not enough people trained to do the work that needs to be done uh, and that companies have. Uh, remote work has helped because you, you're not limited by geolocation. But um, I just don't see a world where the percent of companies using MSPs, um, you know, um, it's just it's just going to keep growing. It just makes sense to to as technology becomes more specialized. Like you, you know, the training is a great thing you mentioned. It's it's not like you can train somebody in Jamf and they're good for ten years. You have to. It's a thing that has to keep learning. So yeah, I think it makes a lot of sense. And and it, you know, obviously you're all based in Atlanta. Do you have clients all over the country? Or do you mainly specialize, you know, working with folks down in Atlanta? You just opened a door I wanted to walk in for me. <laughs> I was going to mention, so early on, um, you know, pretty much all of our clients were in Metro Atlanta. And then Apple asked us to open up a second location in South Florida. So we had quite a few there. The reality today, 2022, well over half of our clients aren't even in Metro Atlanta or South Florida. <clears throat> Pardon me. They are all over the country. Um, and this is what's interesting to me for managed mobility services. Otherwise, you know, in our case, outsourced Jam Pro administration, it doesn't matter where the client is because it is browser based and we can take care of them wherever they are. The interesting fact is um, we now have uh, MSP clients all over the country. And at first that blew my mind. But what happened uh, is due to COVID, and quite honestly, to some degree prior to COVID, so many companies are virtual these days. So if they are spread out all over the country, it doesn't matter that we are remote. There is, there's no brick and mortar. There's no internal networking. There's no internal server. Everyone is cloud-based and everyone's virtual. So again, just to sum it up, MMS being, uh, you know, helping clients all over the country makes perfect sense sort of the revelation is now as an MSP, the clients are also all over the country. No, well, and it, it makes sense. I mean, again, as teams have gone virtual, you, you know, needing someone in your own city, it's not possible to have someone in the city where all your employees are. Now, one of the things, you know, do you guys do any hardware repairs? So like if someone wants to buy a hundred Macs and wants you to manage the hardware, is that something you all do? Or do you kind of not touch that because there's no way to get your hands on that device easily? Oh, that's another great question. So um, I have two folks on staff that uh, previously were hardware certified. So BFA does not do hardware repair. We're not an authorized Apple service center. But the knowledge that they carry, when you, when you have a machine that's misbehaving and you want to determine is it a software issue or is it perhaps a hardware uh, problem, um, it's, it's very, very helpful to have folks that are hardware knowledgeable to help sort of diagnose um, what the problem is. So we don't do hardware repair. What we are doing now, and this is a result of COVID, we are now warehousing equipment for our clients. That's something that in my wildest dreams, I never thought I would find BFA doing. But what's happening is if the clients have no brick and mortar, but they're purchasing equipment, they're offboarding, they're having equipment returned, who's handling that equipment? So if you think about it, the logical answer is, the MSP needs to do that because there are times when they might need to touch it. Um, although pretty much everything can be done remotely by Jim Pro. But to uh, to sum up the uh, answer to your question, we are not doing hardware repair, although we're excellent at determining if it's a hardware issue. But on the other hand, we are doing warehousing for our clients. 
Well, and I think we're we're in a place with Apple hardware where it's never been more reliable. Um, and, and so it, it's probably a lot easier to do that today than in the days of the splint, spinning platter hard drives where, gosh, you know, you, you, if, you had, if you had 100 Macs, you could count on, you know, replacing 10 of those hard drives a year, if not a quarter. Uh, they were just going to go bad. Uh, it, was easy, it was an easy swap. It was a cheap swap. But you just don't see the amount of hardware repairs that you did. I mean, the, the Mac has moved into the iPad, in my opinion, in terms of hardware reliability, where unless you just have accidental damage, the amount of hardware damage you have is, is really a rounding error, um, you know, when you, when you think about you know, buying it at scale. Absolutely. And, and I would add a couple of other things. Apple has come a very long way in terms of their programs uh, for handling repair for their clients. And... Um, uh, you know, also, as Macs have become, to use Macintosh as an example, more affordable, clients are simply buying um, more equipment up front to have the spares because um, the loss of time of someone not having a machine is far greater than the cost of the device. So, um, you know, both of those attribute to, you know, better handling uh, service issues these days, in my view. Well, and I've said that to you before, like talking about Apple Care. You know, if you if you look at the cost of Apple Care, and Apple Care, it obviously provides a service, and it's a good service. And I'm not saying it's not; uh, it's a bad idea. But I think you have to consider the fact that number one, Apple does make money on it, so they're um, they, they want you to buy it, and they make a nice margin on it. But in some ways, you have to do the math. It's like, okay, if I'm buying a hundred Macs. What does it cost me to buy Apple Care on all 100 of them versus buying 10 more Macs? And that's, and that's, a, and that's assuming a 10% damage rate. Uh, and I think that's pretty high. I mean, I think probably, uh, you know, I, I would think most organizations um, see a damage rate of, you know, anywhere from 1% to 3%. Uh, and, you know, certainly if, you know, you're, and that's including accidental damage. Uh, you just don't see that high of a breakage. And so, and then again, you know, the downside of Apple Care is it's a sunk cost. So once you buy it, it's you, you've got Apple Care. Um, but if you have those Macs that are in the box and you end up not using them, you have options for those after, you know, you know, if you keep these devices for four years and you only need five of the 10 extra Macs you bought, well, you have the option after that time to sell those Macs and recoup some of that cost uh, where you really don't with Apple Care, even though they do stay with the device. Um, I think in a lot of ways, like you said, it's just easier to have a spare that, you, you know, even if you get the, even if you're looking to get devices repaired, um, you, it's hard to tell an employee like, Hey, you're going to be without your device for two to three days or four to five business days to get this fixed. So, you know, it's, just, it's easier just to hand them a new device, have them go through, um, you know, onboarding and it's fast onboarding to get it re-enrolled in the NDM and, you know, get right back to work. Um, you just don't have a situation where people are having to migrate a bunch of data. I mean, most of your data is going to be in cloud services. I mean, you can give me a, a new computer today. And if I can get access to one password on my phone, I can get into all my corporate tools I need um, just because it's so much of it is just web-based today. Yeah, absolutely. So we're, we're both in agreement. It's about cost savings and uh, continuing the productivity of the individual. So from, from the productivity uh, perspective, we're in agreement in terms of saving money on Apple care. I will tell you that, you know, most of our clients choose Apple care. Um, you know, we're asked to advise on that every time a client wants to buy, certainly when we first meet a new client. And my answer is, if you have the money, buy AppleCare. If uh, budgets are tight, then I kind of hit the ball back in that court and I say, listen, this is an insurance policy. You're an individual. You perhaps have a family. You know, to what degree do you insure yourself and your own family? How important is that insurance to you? And I, I just kind of submit 
you know, this is your business, it's the same thing. So to what degree do you wish to insure, um, you know, your equipment? And uh, I just, I, I don't answer that for them. Um, although I do say if you've got the money, buy Apple Care. So, um, yeah, that's, that's one I don't give a definitive answer on. I just sort of, you know, offer them food for thought, if you will. Yeah, I mean, it's every, every organization different, and you just have kind of have to set yourself like, you know, what kind of um, – risk do you want to have there it, you know it, it, even if it's a situation where you have the money but you're like i don't want to buy it you can always just set the money aside as a repair budget so if you're gonna have to spend 10 grand on apple care uh you can always just say okay we're gonna have 10 grand in the end of budget for replacing machines that's always an option uh, because you do have to plan for some sort of damage things do happen you know even reliable hardware devices get stolen they can make a pour a Coke on it. Uh, they get dropped. Laptop gets set down. You know, the bag gets set down too hard. A screen cracks. Things certainly do happen. Um, but yeah, every organization ha- kind of has a different kind of has a different flavor. Um, Bob, this has been a, a super interesting conversation. I've, n- I've not talked on our show. We've been doing the show for over two years now. We've not talked to anybody that's in the management building services. But it, it's really the more you and I have talked offline, um, I think it just makes sense. Um, there's just a lot of uh, a lot of companies who don't have that expertise internally, maybe can't afford to hire somebody, don't want to hire somebody, uh, or even if they have somebody, they need backup. And I think it makes sense for a lot of organizations to look to companies like BFA to kind of be their trusted advisor. Um, so I think it's pretty cool some of the things you're doing. And again, like you said, even across all these verticals, 80% of their use cases is the same. Uh, and so you really just kind of have that muscle memory of being the, being the MDM experts, being the Apple experts, knowing what to do and knowing the best practices. So I think it really works out for, you know, obviously works out for you all, but I think clients get a really nice experience as well. Well, um, thanks, Bradley. I, I appreciate your having me on. I just, um, I had a couple of afterthoughts, if I may, just to add them yeah. with regard to, to MMS. So, um, one is, uh, other reasons that, that folks tell us they want to outsource. So it's, it's one of several things. They say, Bob, we have the expertise in house, but they are already overworked on their other tasks. They just don't have the time, you know. Alternatively, they say we don't have the expertise in-house and we may have to take someone and have them trained or go out and hire someone else. So it's, you know, it's not always because they don't have the expertise. It's just people are are largely overworked to a large degree these days. The second point I wanted to make was another advantage of, of outsourcing, at least I'll just speak for BFA. We've got three gentlemen who combined have fulfilled, um, JAMP engagements directly for JAMP for over uh, close to 800 clients. Um, it is called Jamf's Integrator Program. And these include things that used to be called Jump Starts and now Jamf Connect. They're called premium onboardings these days. But here's my point. That exposes BFA senior consultants to what 800 other clients are doing and how they're using Jamf Pro and how they're leveraging other technologies in concert with Jamf Pro. That's just unbelievably invaluable for us to take that knowledge back to our clients. Because again, if you, if you weigh that against a single employee internally in IT at one company, they only know what that company's doing. Perhaps they worked at one other company or, or two others before. But again, ours have been exposed to over 800 different clients using Jamf Pro, Jamf Connect, other Jamf products. And um, by the way, they, they love doing that, but again, what that does for our clients and taking that knowledge back and, and where appropriate uh, putting that into place is, is pretty incredible. 
You know, I didn't think I, I kind of had thought about that. Just the every every you know onboarding your folks do, they have that high. It's like a high of no, that knowledge. And, and I got what's happened with the other day. Small office here in Chattanooga, and they, and they need to help with the printer. And I said, yeah, you know, so you never hook these printers up. And uh, I said, yeah, yeah, sure. So how do you, how do, you do that so fast? It's like, well, it's kind of like the insert the taken gif of like I've had a very long career um, where, I mean, you just really think about the amount of mind share your folks have that they get to then kind of repeat that muscle memory with every single client. And every every new client you you sign up benefits from the knowledge of all of your past clients as well that you, your folks have internalized. Absolutely. I, I'm going to, I'm going to leave you with a funny story. It was early on just me when I was working alone as Bob for apples. I, I had a client whose machine uh, just kept crashing, kept crashing. I spent hours and hours and hours and I finally called Apple and reluctantly Apple admitted there was corruption on a particular font. Okay. Um, it's something that wasn't on the web that Apple would only admit if you called them. And I understand that there are legal issues for them not saying, Hey, we have a problem with their font, but it, it took hours to find that. I probably had seven or eight other clients with the same problem later on. You know how long it took me to fix it? About five Ten minutes seconds. for each client. Yeah. Yes. So you, you know, you, yes. you just, and, and that's, and that's where a client is not paying you, you know, we kind of, the whole thing obtained you for your knowledge, not your time. That's where a client is. Yeah. Yeah. It's five minutes of work, but what they're not seeing is the 10 hours it took to figure that out the first time. Correct. That really made me reconsider charging by the hour. I have to say. So it became a value proposition, which in of itself is uh, absolutely true and accurate, but it's a, it's a little bit of a hard sell. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, cause again, it's, it's, I, I look, I look at things like that. It's like when I hire a plumber, I'm not paying that person based on how long it takes them to fix it. I'm paying right. them based on how long it would have taken me to fix it. Right. Yeah. I, I can still, I can still see the face of one of those clients going, <clears throat> you were only here five minutes. <laughs> it's like, okay, let's have a conversation. Right. Yeah. 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 Again, I'm not, you're not paying, Hey, you can't bill for five minutes. Uh, but again, you're, you're paying also paying for the 10 hours it took me to figure out that problem the first time. And, and again, it's, it's no different than if an electrician walks in and I've got an outlet that's not working and they fix it in five minutes. Uh, again, I'm paying for their skill set, not their time. Uh, I'm paying for the, the, the time it took them to figure that out, the education they had and, and this, that, and the other. Um, that's, a, that's a great way to leave it, Bob. I, just, just really the role of being in the, being in the technology industry for a long time and, and, and kind of having that muscle memory. And, you, you know, you think about our brains that, you know, you may have only seen a problem three times in 10 years, but when you hit, when you see it the fourth time, every time it takes you, you know, less time to figure out and, uh, and, you know, every client kind of benefits from that uh, because ultimately down computers, it, it's not about the, it's not about the money to fix it. It's about the productivity loss when they're down. Um, and so that's, yeah, that's a great way to do it. Well, uh, Bob, we'll have a, we'll have a link to, uh, your, your BFA technologies website in the show notes. So if, if anybody's listening, needs help managing their Apple devices, needs help having a trusted partner, uh, even if you're not in Atlanta, again, BFA technologies has customers all over. So if you need, uh, someone to turn to that's a trusted advisor that can really help you optimize your technology strategy uh, around Apple and, and all their all things Apple. Um, definitely check out BFA Technologies. Uh, Bob's a, a dear friend, and I, and I think you all would, uh, all of our listeners would be well served by working with them. So, uh, Bob, again, thanks for coming on the show, and, and uh, we'll talk to you again real soon. Greatly appreciate it, Bradley. Thanks as always. <laughs>